Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Full Throttle Podcast. And indeed, the second, only the second shaky show and our first of the 2019 BSB season. Greg Haynes with you, but more importantly, Shaky Burn is with us as well. That wasn't a boring day by any stretch of the imagination, was it, here at Silverstone? Do you know what? What an amazing day's racing. I think that, um, you know, it's hard to, to keep saying the same thing, but I've been really motivated and really excited by the fact that actually none of us really had a clue who was going to do what this weekend. You know, it, it, speaks, uh, it speaks volumes for the championship itself. It's so open, um, and obviously that's what... Us as as fans and, and viewers and spectators all want to all want to see. It's made for some great TV today. Um, I've enjoyed being part of that, and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed watching the racing. You couldn't have scripted it better, could you? Really, the way it's all been built up over the last few weeks, and then we had a surprise grid. We've got to start with race one, though, haven't we? What happened there between the two McCams Yamahas? Really difficult one to call. Was the move really on there? Well, you know what. It's uh, it's all too easy to to sit on the fence. The only thing I'll mm. say, in my opinion, is that um, you know Taron went up the inside, so clearly there was room yeah. to to put a bike on the inside. Whether there was enough room is another matter. Um, Jason's view of the of the whole thing obviously is is completely the opposite. Um, I've spoken with both of the guys. Um, I've just spoken at length actually with Jason, and you know. He says that, yeah, there may have been a gap, but not a gap big enough for a McCann's Yamaha. And, you know, the, the collision was, was ultimately what knocked him down. Um, I think that uh, in some ways, you know, you have to look at things from a, from a glass half full perspective. And yeah. everybody throughout this season is going to have their fair share of, of good luck and likewise bad luck. And getting your bad luck out of the way at the first round of the year probably isn't such a bad thing. So, you know, for Jason, it's quite positive And, uh, you know, he's got to take the positives from the weekend. He's really enjoyed riding his motorbike. He's been fastest all through winter testing. You know, his speed on the bike's unquestionable. Taz, as we know, last year was really strong here. So... You know, Jason sort of leading and, and sort of, you know, taking it to him is a, is a really positive start. I've got to sort of put myself in the rider's position. You're the man who knows, six-time champion. If you were Jason Halloran, would you have tried to close the door? And if you were Taz McKenzie, would you have done what he did? I mean, there was a gap, to be fair, I guess. But it was a hard move. It was a hard move, but it was a hard move from, from you know, a guy that's, that's not won a BSB race or hadn't won a BSB race at that point in time. Um he couldn't have gone for a gap that wasn't there. 
You know, that, that's mm. my my defence. Mm. The only thing I will say is what we get to see on the TV isn't what Stuart Higgs, you know, the BSB race director, gets to see in the, in the control room. So, you know, perhaps having seen it from a few different angles, you'd have a much better or much more valid opinion on, on whether or not there was a, a gap or wasn't. I think that, um, you know, Jason had led for sort of 29.8 laps of the of the race and clearly <laughs> wanted to take the, take the victory. I actually said to him on the grid that, I thought this was race number race win number two for him. Um, stop eating them jelly babies as well. <laughs> and you're going to say yeah. so. We've got some jelly babies here, though. No, we did have it. We did have some jelly babies. You keep munching them whilst I'm talking. Um, <laughs> His answers are really nice and long, so it lets me do that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I said to Jason, you know, <laughs> use your head in this race, and you got this. And you know, he looked dead serious. He looked dead, uh, dead focused. But it was odd for me today because I stood at the front of the grid, you know, somewhere where I'd like to think I would be if if I was riding, but yeah. looking in the wrong direction. But seeing the the, the different riders, you know, um, faces and the you know the tension and and the you know, the nerves that were, were going through all of them was like really odd because I thought, blimey, that's that's normally me. You know, it kind of struck home a little bit how yeah. how hard it is to not actually be out there with them. But I said, use your head and you got this. And uh, I think in, in Jason's defence, he did. He used his head and, you know, <clears throat> he controlled the race at a pace that he was happy with. And, yeah, it looked like he had it done. But, um, you know, it's happened. It's done. I don't think, to be fair, I got the impression that no one was really surprised that a penalty was given, actually. Were you surprised? I can't say I was. Well, listen, if you if you put yourself in Stuart Higgs's shoes, right, if that manoeuvre had happened, yeah. um, you know, three or four laps earlier, um, Taz would have got the long lap penalty, like um, like Andrew Aaron got yeah. in, uh, in race two. So I think that, that Stuart's been completely fair in his, in his defence and, you know, that... He caused um, Jason to fall down, um, obviously unintentionally, but he caused him to fall down and he would have been penalised anyway. It's just unfortunate that it happened on the last lap, you know, pretty much the last corner. Um, and that long lap penalty or the time penalty incurred yeah. meant that he lost the race spin. Amazing for the TV though, wasn't it? So yeah, you can have a jelly baby now. Shaky's having a jelly baby while, <laughs> <laughs> while I go through the Twitter timeline just to see if anything's come through uh, to Greg Haynes TV and to 67 Shaky as well. Uh, someone's asking here, Tony Sports Media asking, can Shaky do a track walk for each race? Well, you never know. He's raced the tracks most recently with modern bikes. Uh, well, yeah, most recently of all the Eurosport team, you've raced the tracks. Well, you have, that's true. I mean, I'm sure you're capable of walking around a circuit. Yeah, but I don't have to get a bad back if I walk too far. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I like um, I like listening to Wits features, and I did actually yeah. do a um, an onboard lap yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was quite good fun. So um, yeah, maybe we'll do some track walks. Here, but I don't want to be stepping on nobody's toes. I've, I've come to be part mm. of the team, not to take over the team. <laughs> uh, here's one from Helen Shaky. If you could choose any bike on the grid to be riding right now, what would it be, and why? That's a good one, actually. I'm not sure. Would by default would it be a V4 Ducati or not? I think there'd be a lot of desire there to, uh, you know, my my signing with Paul for, for two years back in the end of 2016 was because I thought I'd get the, mm. the V4. Um, it's something that I would like to have been a part of. Um, you know, it's a big, big change for um, for Ducati, you know, the, the whole philosophy of riding a, a V4 now instead of a V-twin, which they've been using for, for many, many years is, um, mm. you know, it's a completely new journey for them and it would have been cool to be a part of that. But... Honestly, um, the bike that looked good to me today was the was the Yamaha. You know, both guys riding them really, really well. Um, 
Obviously, we've seen them um, be strong here last year. Taz was real strong here last year. So I think it's going to take us a couple of rounds to figure out actually what the what the, the bike to be on is. But I also think at the same time, you know, the Ducati's brand new. The new BMW is brand new. Um, you know, we're going to see those bikes develop pretty quickly, I would imagine, over the next few rounds and, and become a stronger package too. Funny thing is, though, you'd suggest that of all the teammates on the grid, I don't know what you think, of all the strong partnerships and the people least likely to have a collision and something like that happen, it is the McCams Yamaha guys, but what do we know? You know, this is BSB, isn't it? I um, I spoke to Jan, Taz's mum, after, after yeah. race one, and he was devastated because yeah. that's not him. He's not no. a dirty rider no. at all. No. If anything, he's a, he's a really clean rider. He's a ruthless little so-and-so when yeah. he needs to be, but he's not dirty, and, and he wouldn't have done that move not to yeah. not to his worst enemy, you know, intentionally to take somebody out. So yeah, When he said to James on the grid, he never even got trouble in school, anything like that. No. You know, it's unlike it, him, isn't it? Exactly. He really isn't that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually genuinely really happy for him that he went out and, and you know, cleanly won race two, got out there, done what he needed to do and, and sort of, you know, got that monkey off his back, if you like. So it was a great result for him. Um, and yeah, now he's officially a PSP race winner. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, he's done something Neil never did, which is win at Silverstone as well. Obviously a three-time champion, 96, 97 and uh, 98. Right. Um, that's Yamaha then. Not a great day for you in Australia though, is it? I can't believe it. Jason Halloran and Josh Brooks Two title favourites, and they still are, but they're leaving round one with no points at all. What an amazing situation. I don't know where you come up with these stats. <laughs> it's completely true, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a difficult day for the Aussies. I mean, Ben Curry's not had the best of days either. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It's been a sort of tough, a tough adaptation, if you like, for, to, for him to the Superbike. Um, you know, Josh, genuinely for Josh, I feel, I feel quite bad and, and I feel really unlucky for him because you know he looked um yesterday morning in free practice free when I was watching he looked really um calm really confident really good on the bike you know mm. looking at him was like you know what he looks smooth there's no pumping there's no spinning you know he was riding the thing well and uh looked like he could have some some strong results this weekend and i think even from the back of the grid he was hoping for like a, a fifth in the in the in the first race because he was coming up wasn't i was looking at the timing screen up, yeah one by one up and yeah. you know when you think that his teammate was only one place in front of him starting from the from the front row yeah, of the grid, it shows what a good job you know josh had done yeah, shame for Josh Brooks. I guess it, well, it can't get any worse. He's on zero points. Jason Halloran, another one. We know what happened in the first race. Then um, do you reckon his engine blow might have had something to do with the fact he'd gone down and maybe it had taken something in or I don't know. Is that possible? Well, I would have said that it, it isn't. Um, but the reason I would have said it isn't is because obviously, you know, after the race, they would have repaired the bike, they would yeah. have fired it up, they would have warmed it up before the race. It would have done the sighting lap. Um, you know, it would have done some warm-up laps. It would have done, you know, however many laps of the race it had done before, before it had the problem. But obviously, it's unquantifiable. You couldn't, you couldn't possibly say, oh well, it fell over in race one, so mm. that's why it blew up in race two. Um, I have to say, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing for Jason. It's very unfortunate, and I'd also have to say that I know from from speaking to the Yamaha team that you know reliability was one of the things that they wanted to try and get on top of because. You know, they had had a, a few problems at the end of last season with reliability and obviously it's a challenge for this championship. You're going to need to be, you know, right near the sharp end every weekend. Uh, we've been talking about showdown predictions, haven't we? Who would have predicted that it was going to be Mackenzie Elliott tied for the lead, Bridewell, Buchan, Mossy, Stapleford 
one, two, three, four, five, six at the end of round one. I mean, well, it's absolutely superb. It's not going to stay that way. Obviously, we've got Suzuki and Yamaha tying for the Manufacturers' Championship lead. I'm trying to think who else isn't in there who we would have thought would be in there. There's no sign of Brooks. Bradley Ray's had a difficult weekend, doesn't he? It seems as though his head's not in the right place at the moment. I feel a bit sorry for Brad. Bradley's um, Bradley's a, a guy that when when things go his way, is is incredibly fast. I mean, this time last year, he just won the first two races. Um, yeah. I mean, now I'm just looking, he's got six points shaking. Yeah, well, it could well have been completely the opposite. But I spoke very briefly with um, Steve Hicken, who's Bradley's crew chief and the team manager of um, of the mm-hmm. of the Hawk team, mm. and he told me that um, you know Bradley had a big crash on Friday morning on the front. And sometimes when they find themselves in that situation, you know, it's hard for him to, to recover from. Yeah. You know, any rider will tell you that you can you can recover or you can control um, a slide from the rear to a degree. You can spin the thing up or do whatever. And it's almost like, you know, when you've when you've done your hard braking and when you've pitched a bike on the side, when you've let go of the brake and you've balanced the bike back on the throttle again, mm. once you're at that point, you're safe. But from the point you put the brakes on to yeah. the point when you release the brake and get back on the gas, you're kind of in the lap of the gods and yeah. the feel that you do have. So when um, when you have an incident and you do lose the front, it's really hard to then put your faith back into uh, you know pushing 110% again. You, know, you have to build yourself back up slowly. So you sort of are you sort of cranked over and you're releasing, you know, you're applying the throttle and releasing the brake all at the same time. Is that no, how it's it works? No, it's always the uh, the brake that's released first, and yeah. then you know you'll go to like a, a neutral throttle, and then you'll balance the bike on the throttle to to continue the bike turning, and then you'll pick up the gas to to drive the thing out. But um, I didn't see Bradley's crash because hands up, I wasn't here early enough to see the session. But um, yeah. Traditionally, when he's had a when he's had a front end crash, it does take him a, a little bit of time to recover from it. But I think that's because he's so strong on the front. Generally, um, you know, it's one of his one of his real big qualities that you know sometimes it kind of knocks the wind out of his sails a little bit yeah. when he does lose that that feeling. It's exactly what you said, actually, isn't it? When we did the first show a couple of weeks ago, you said they've got to be consistent through the season. I remember you saying a bad weekend needs to be a couple of fifth places, and people are losing big points, aren't they? Let's talk about. The OMG team, though. I mean, who would have predicted we were going to come out of Silverstone with Josh Elliott leading the championship? Yes, he's sharing it, but he's leading it. What an amazing weekend he's had. The whole team, Luke Mossy as well. It's only their second team. They're by far the biggest team in the paddock. They've won a race. What a brilliant weekend. I can't tell you how happy I am for that team. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, bearing in mind it was built last year for, for Gino Ria. Um, you know, they, they had a... They had a a really strong showing in one free practice at, at Assen last year with Gino. Um, and the rest of the year, I think they'll be more than happy to acknowledge was was very difficult for them. Yeah. So when Luke Mossy um, agreed to to go to you know to go to the team, I know he's really really close with Ray Stringer, who's the you know the team technical director, and you know he'd worked with Luke in, in Kawasaki before. But I sort of looked at him for as a it's a bold old move, you know. The Suzuki's relatively new, <clears throat> you know. Um, the team's relatively new. Luke's been in the team that's just won the championship, you know. Yeah. Is that a good move? But clearly it is, you know. They must be, they must be, a, you know, a pretty switched on team because not only are they going away from here joint championship leaders, but they seem to have got Luke's mojo back as well, and he's happy riding his bike. Um, you got Billy McConnell, you know, a seasoned. Season, I won't say veteran because he's not old enough to be a veteran, but a seasoned vet in like Superstock One Thousand class, 
he said to me he's really happy in the team it's a really nice environment to be in and you know riders thrive off of happiness you know you put you put a load of pressure or you know unnecessary bad feeling or, or doubt in a rider's mind it's hard to recover from yeah. you know so much of this game is is mental um, and mental strength that you know people just think oh well get on it and twist the throttle harder or twist it earlier or do whatever it doesn't work like that you know you need a good environment around you and, and clearly the OMG Suzuki team is a, is a good environment how difficult is that though, Shane, to come into a new championship like that? Set up a team. There's obviously three investors, isn't it? The O, the M, and the G. They're very colourful. They've always been really out there, haven't they? Really accommodating for us media and all that sort of thing. Really active on social media. But to actually get their head down with a limited budget, which they have, and they've now won a race at the start of their very second season. Not That's not every day that happens, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, as I just said, you know, it's... Uh if you I'm not a betting man and, and yeah the odds were good on, on Josh before the, the start of the first race but you know there were there were people and please don't think this is a you know this is no kind of bad thing against OMG but there were people on the grid that you would have chosen to put your money on all day long before yeah. you yeah. might have chosen Josh Elliott in fact you know what this is no disrespect to Josh Elliott, but you would have probably said, oh, Luke Mossy could do a good job here. But would you have considered Josh, you know, I mean, just moved up from Superstock 1000, you know, first first go back on a superbike again, you know, would you have said, oh, Josh Elliott's going to come away from here, championship leader, blimey, if you'd have put some money on that, you'd have, <laughs> you'd have done really well. But as I say, you know, that's BSB at the moment. That's no no disrespect meant to Luke Mossy, to, to Josh Elliott or to the OMG team. It's the uncertainty that we face when someone says to us, well, what's going to happen? You know, who's going who's gonna to win this weekend? Nobody really had an idea. I mean, looking at the sheets, looking at the sectors, looking at bike speeds, you know, Having watched the two races now and seen the strengths and weaknesses of some of the bikes, you know, it's still really difficult to say, right, okay, yeah. such and such is going to go talk and park and win now. Yeah. You know? But, but we had like 10, 11, 12 riders you may have picked as a possible winner. He wasn't even one of those, was he? <laughs> Do you know what? I feel real bad for saying it now, but yeah. I'm so proud of him for what yeah. he has achieved, you know? No, I don't blame you. I'm just looking at his stats now as you've been talking. His previous best finish was a 10th place. And that was in uh, Brands Hatch last year. Yeah, she said, didn't he? Coming into this weekend, he would have been really happy if he walked away with a tenth. Really? Um, <laughs> now he's walked away with a Stetson and the championship lead. Unbelievable. Um, reigning champions, the JG Speedfit, the Quattro Plant team, as they're known this year, they've had a bit of a nightmare, haven't they? I saw Pete Exton earlier on. He said, we're not expecting a particularly successful weekend, which was very honest of him, very realistic. Glenn Irwin, Ben Kerry, both eliminated, though, today in a first lap incident, two separate incidents, but both out in the first few seconds of the race this afternoon. Uh, yeah, didn't really go according to plan, did it, there? No, and do you know what? I think that... Um I may have touched on this before. Mm. You know, people people look at Glenn and sometimes Glenn comes across as a, I don't know, how could you put it, like a little bit, maybe not big-headed or cocky or whatever, but Glenn, I think in some cases, is, is really mistaken because actually what Glenn brings to a team is an awful lot of hard work mm. and dedication. Mm. Him and his brother Andrew have been out in, um, out in Spain for like, three months or something like that, all winter, like driving each other mad, training and, and, and preparing themselves as best as they possibly could. And, you know, Glenn said to me, it's odd because he said, I really enjoy riding the bike. I really like the feel I get from the bike. Um, you know, I'm much faster than I was on the Ducati last year on the bike, but things have moved on again. Um, mm. You know, the, the new ZX-10 
RR, as it's deemed, you know, the homologation bike that they're riding has some more RPM. Um, it has a fair bit more power, but it also has some, um, some far lighter engine internals. So it's got like titanium rods, it's got a lighter flywheel. So it makes an awful lot of power very quickly, but then revs on a really long way. Um, and at the moment, Glenn's biggest problem is that, you know, all of that torque and all of that power is causing wheel spin. And wheel spin obviously deteriorates tyre life and deteriorating tyre life means you go backwards. Um, you know, what we're always striving for in a BSB bike with the electronics the way they are is to make the most user-friendly fast package we can. You know, there's no point having a bike with 250 horsepower if you can only use 20 yeah. of it on the side of the tyre. You know, you might as well have one that's got a 210, but you can use 100% of the power all the time. Um, and that's what, you know, the the, uh, the Bournemouth team are going to have to figure out. They're going to have to get a power characteristic and an engine build um, you know, setting that, that, that Glenn and Ben are, are both very happy with and, and can use to drive the bike off the corner again. So for people listening who are less technical like me, it's not so simple as just turning it down and giving yourself less power, is it? What can you actually do now? Could, is there any way of taking that away or have they got to, obviously you've just started explaining it, sort of harness, is that a good way of saying it, the power you've already got? Yeah, I mean, when we uh, when we did the work that we did with the Ducati, um, when we moved there in 2016, mm. I told Giovanni, I want 100% of everything that the bike's got in my hand and then I want to figure out, uh, you know, a mapping. Um, I never want power taken away because, okay. in my opinion, if you take power away from your bike, mm. you're going to get three quarters of the way through the year having road like that. Yeah. Um, you know, things are going to move on. The showdown's going to start. People are going to get faster, and then you're going to be questioning whether or not it was a good idea to take the power out. You know, should we put some more power in? And then you'll put mm. more power in, and then you create a problem later in the season that you've hidden all the way through and it becomes a problem at the most crucial point of the year. So yeah. I wanted to work very, very hard from the word go with the V2 to make sure that I I had the most rideable of V2s possible and wouldn't have to contemplate going back to change anything later on in the season. Right. Now, Glenn, on the other hand, his side of the garage, they did go with power reduction maps and, you know, did try to make the thing nice and easy to ride for him. But I think he found himself on numerous occasions, you know, perhaps, you know, just lacking a little bit, perhaps in I don't know, third gear out of one corner. And then you think to yourself, oh, did we do the right thing, taking the power out? You put the power back in and all of a sudden the bike gets hard work to ride because the chassis setting you have, you know, isn't used to that kind of torque or that kind of power in a, in, a, in that particular area. So does that not your confidence then as well? Because you're well, not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Then you're in, a, you're in a situation where you're thinking, right, do we, don't we? Yeah. Um, you know, who's putting the power back in going to destroy the tyre? Well, they won't know. Um, yeah. but we did if you know what I mean and I don't mean to sound like a, a smart ass for want of a better word because that's not what I'm trying to trying to do but mm. what I'm trying to say is you know there's different ways of ben building engines um, you know the Kawasaki now has an additional 600 RPM so what I'd be looking to do if, if I were I believe Frank Raffle does their engines and Frank's a great engine builder I'd be saying look you know make it make it a little bit flatter in the middle and, and, you know, shove some of that, that top end power right at the top, you know, so that we can drive the thing off the corner a little bit better without so much torque, but then use the power that we've got with the extra RPM to blast the thing down the straight rather than having something that's just so strong the minute you touch the throttle right away through to the red line. 
Well, as we said, then they both got eliminated in that first lap incident in the first race. Um, ben carrying Glen Irwin, that is. Second race results, I'm just reminding myself now, it's difficult to remember. It was 11th for Glen Irwin and 13th for Ben Curry in the afternoon's race. I spoke to Glen on the grid before the start of race two, yeah. and they weren't entirely sure that some of the damage that was that was done to his bike in the crash from the first race had had been you know completely yeah. rectified. Um, and Glenn did take a big bang on the head so mm. I don't think the um, he wasn't knocked out didn't have concussion you know he was he was fine he was he was all cool um, but I don't think we've seen from Glenn Irwin what we will see from Glenn yeah. Irwin as the season yeah. progresses I agree with you they're definitely going to be back aren't they and the only way is up now They'll, they would have learned a lot this weekend no doubt about it I could tell that from what Pete Extens was saying earlier as well um, yeah Honda I was just going to say Xavi Forres He's there or thereabouts. He will get better. It must be so difficult coming into this championship. The shortest track pretty much. Well, Knock Hill as well, but one of the shortest tracks on the calendar. Um, the pack's open. He's had a couple of incidents at Brooklyn's. There's near rear-end vibration, he was telling me. He's there or thereabouts, but I was expecting a little bit more this weekend. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's hard to be too hard on him. Mm. Um, he is a very smart guy. Yeah. He's a very fast rider. Um I, I rate him quite highly, and you, let's not forget there were more than sort of two or three occasions last year when he actually finished in front of both of the Aruba factory yeah. Ducatis. Um, you know, Chav is a smart guy, and he knows it's a long season. Um, you know, he will have done his homework. He'll understand the, the showdown format, and he'll want to come good as the season progresses. You know, I dare say that none of us line up on the grid to lose a race for sure and he would have wanted to win two races however he would have wanted to walk away from round one having raced everyone seen all the guys on the track he'll go to Alton Park now I believe they got a two day they got one or two day test on Thursday yeah. I believe mm. um, is that this Thursday is it yeah. this week yeah um, you know that will be his chance to to get out and, and to learn the track um, which is going to take some learning because Alton Park's a, a tricky you know, real tricky track. There's a lot of undulation. <clears throat> there's a lot of cambers. There's a lot of crests. There's a lot of blind, you know, over the top of Clay Hill, for instance. It takes some figuring out. Um, well, that's going to be so different to places like Qatar and you yeah. know, where he's been racing recently in World Superbike. Precisely. And, you know, I think that he's just taken a very methodical approach and will come on better and better as the season goes on. I spoke with um, Harvey Beltran, actually, um, this morning at length about him. And he said he, he couldn't be happier because... You know, Javi's come in, he's got no preconceptions of what this force mm. should do. He's got no preconception of what a BSB bike should do. He's just mm. riding it, getting to a point when something becomes a problem, um, addressing that problem, going faster, and then waiting for the next problem to come up, whatever lap time that arrives at, and then fixing that and, and just progressing as the you know as the weekends go on. Um, obviously there'll be a few tracks this year that we'll go back to twice yeah, um, and as I said I think we'll, we'll see him get stronger Yeah, I still think we'll see him in the showdown I've said that before so I'm going to have to stick with it another person I think we'll see in the showdown although he's had a difficult start this afternoon to the season but a good first podium in the first one Scott Redding so he, he picks up a podium which he admitted was a bit of a lucky one shaky in the first race after the O'Halloran McKenzie incident and then, of course, he's running around in seventh and has a problem with Andy Irwin in the second race when he sort of got swiped out coming out of Brooklyn's, didn't he? So not much you can do there. I don't know whether he's all right. He was limping away. Have you seen him? I uh, I spoke to him, actually. Um, we sat and watched the end of the race together. Okay. And uh, I actually said to him, listen, 
you've come here welcome with a, to PSP. No, yeah, in a way, yeah. You've come here with the right approach. You know, coming here as some kind of GP prima donna rock star, I'm gonna smoke everybody, definitely wasn't the way yeah, forward right. because nobody, and I mean nobody, should underestimate how difficult this championship is. To be mm. competitive week in, week out is so hard. Yeah. Um I said you've come in with the right attitude, you've adapted the you know, the thing of like, right, I just wanna learn, I wanna, you know, chip away step by step. I mean, he even said that he wanted pole, but he thought that was a bit ambitious. So yeah, he's yeah. humble enough to and smart enough to realise that he wasn't going to come in and just, you know, walk all over everybody. But like I said to him, you need to understand that you are perceived to be Scott Redding, the MotoGP factory, you know, Aprilia, you know, yeah. Pramac, Ducati rider. Um, you know, you're a big name. And the guys that are sort of, the guys that are in front of you won't mind too much about that name. But anyone that's sort of, you know, fifth to tenth place in BSB that's racing around you at the minute, you might as well just be like, a, you might as well just have a big bullseye on your back because the kudos that they'll get from from achieving that, not a pass got ready and do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you've got to prepare yourself for it. And I said, you know, it might be that overtaking you for one position cost them three positions, but the fact that they've done it and they've got past you, it'll almost be like really? enough for them. Um, yeah. So is that how a racer's mind works? Can you remember when you started racing and then you think, oh, I've just passed so-and-so, or that's, that's him ahead of me. Can you remember that? Yeah, for sure, yeah. I remember, you know, one of the funniest things for me actually was at Silverstone. It was one of my first World Superbike events um, <laughs> in 2002. And I rode out of my pit garage and was riding along the, the thing to start a session. And next to me was Ben Bostrom and Noriyuki Aga. And I was almost like, oh my God, what am I doing out here with these two? You know, yeah. um, you know, Nori on the, I think he was on the factory Aprilia and, you know, Ben was on whatever he was on, the LM, you know, factory yeah. Ducati. And I was like, oh, that's Nori Aga and Ben Bostrom. This is so cool, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure, there's going to be a million riders in BSB that are going to look at Scott and think, well, Scott Redding didn't know he's a MotoGP rider. <laughs> yeah. No, well, he's obviously got the tiger on his back. It's amazing, though. You can be on a podium in one race and still come out of the championship eighth. Just shows you what uh, non-finishes do, doesn't it? Just before we go, quick word on BMW. They're obviously really on the back foot, aren't they, at the moment? The bikes have come so late. They're running sort of stock engines at best, aren't they? There's a lot of work to do, but I guess they'll get there. Well, I think Whit might have um, described it quite well um, in one of the races today when he said that, you know, the the new BMW engine is really compact and it's really clever. Mm. So it's got some dual kind of stage cam yeah, thing in it or shift, something. Shift cam or shift cam, cam shift, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, which enables the engine to have <clears throat> a load of low-down power, nice, smooth, tractable, you know, drivable power. But then when the RPM increases, you know, as the bike gets onto the straight, it goes onto the other cam, which obviously mm. produces all the top-end power. But... Clever. With um, with BSB technical regulations the way they are, um, every bike in, in BSB has to use the Motec Control ECU. And the Motec Control ECU doesn't have the functionality to, to, to work that shift cam. So you could argue that if you raced a bog standard brand spanking new BMW S1000RR, mm. your bike would actually be better than the Tyco and the, the Smiths engine-wise anyway, yeah. um, full-on superbikes. Obviously, they've got to start where they are and just build up. There's no point 
going too well running before they walk I guess isn't it they've got to go step by step well I'll tell you one thing all jokes aside Tom Sykes is smiling about the new BMW yeah. chassis and if Tom Sykes is smiling about something then it must be good <laughs> because sometimes he's had a he's had a bit of a rough run and uh, he true. seems he seems really happy with the chassis and uh, obviously that's a big positive for the teams because you know the BS, BSB track's a little bit tighter a little bit more nagery perhaps than, than some of the world championship tracks and yeah like I said if, if, if any motorbike can give Tom Sykes this is no criticism even, you know, Tom is on the Kawasaki the ultimate stop, park, turn, fire out guy, right? That's how he like yeah. Scott, uh, sorry, Scott, Tom Sykes makes mm. every corner a V, or he did on the Kawasaki. Yeah. Um, but he's actually enjoying making O's and making mm. U's yeah, and, yeah. and making whatever else because the bike gives him that much feeling. So you'd like to think that when um when the new engines come through from BMW, from Alpha, Alpha Racing, whoever it is who makes their motors, yeah. um, you know, those BMWs are only going to get stronger. Before we sign off, Shay, because just a few names, we'll have to talk about these guys because they've done so well this weekend. Tommy Bridewell's third in the championship. Danny Buckins had a podium today. He's fourth. Luke Stapleford, he's completely outclassed Brad Ray so far on the Suzuki. Some real standout performances there. I'm pleased for Danny Buckin. I have to say they've got a much better bike this year. He's riding so confidently, isn't he? He's fourth in the championship. Uh, on the podium, I can't say I was surprised though because he seems so confident over the preseason. Danny's a rider that really, really thrives on confidence, and I said in my piece actually in, in Motorcycle News Review, didn't I? That yeah. um, you know, if Danny can find the level of confidence that he used to attack those Superstock One Thousand bikes with yeah. on a superbike, he'll be fast. Um, but on the same token. He needs to find that this year because he's had a few years where you know he's been on a superbike and, and the results haven't come. But he's in a really good place. The the FS3 Kawasaki team are a great little team. They're right behind him. They believe in him 100% in the same way that he believes in them. Okay, they got off to a really bad start in winter testing and a massive crash. Um, you know, oh, smashed yeah. a bike to pieces. Failure, yeah. But he's already he's already over that. <clears throat> he's riding good. You know, watching him today, he's a class act, you know. And if he can maintain that level of confidence, um, the results keep coming the way they have this weekend, I'm sure we're gonna see a you know a strong fight from from Danny for a showdown place. And where did Dan Linfer end up? He ended up ninth in the end. He got shuffled well, back a bit, but he was, bit, yeah, he, he was right. I mean, look at that. He was down, I forgot he was in ninth place, but yeah, he was leading. What a ride for him as well early on. He done a great job. I mean, you uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have envisaged saying, oh, look, it's, uh, it's Dan Linfer. <laughs> Dan <laughs> Linfer from, from, from Elliot, Josh Elliott yeah. and, uh, and, and Taz or whatever. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, Bridewell think, as well. And Bridewell. There's been... There's been you know, a lot of um, <laughs> expectation, a lot of uncertainty, and you know, a lot of like, wow, did that did that really just happen this yeah. weekend? Yeah. But as I said at the top of the show uh, yesterday, the great thing about this weekend is nobody really knows. We need we need two or three rounds at the moment to figure out who's going to yeah. do what. You know, we're going to see progress for sure from BMW. We're going to see progress for sure from Ducati. You know, the guys on the bikes that are more established, the Yamahas, for instance, you know, maybe even the Suzukis now, uh, the Hondas, you know, they're not going to be making the steps forward or you wouldn't think they'd be making the steps forward that perhaps, you know, the likes of BMW and Ducati will. So, yeah, they need to hit the ground running and, and try and get some points in the bank and, you know, see see how their season progresses. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been a really good weekend here at Silverstone. We'll be back with the Full Throttle Podcast next week and then we'll be off to some park, aren't we? So I'll see you there. Good fortune, mate. Thanks, Jakey. See you soon. Cheers.